All right. Well, Merry Christmas to all of you. It's great to be here this morning. If you take your Bibles with me and turn in them to Romans chapter 12. Not a normal Christmas text, but I hope you'll understand why we're going there this morning. It's always a great time to be together at this time of year as we sing the songs that have such great biblical theology in them, and far too often I think those songs get pushed aside and they ought to be sung throughout the year because by way of tradition I suppose they're labeled Christmas songs and so we only sing them at this time of year. And I think if we just let the words of those songs really kind of melt down into our hearts and let the weight of what they say be on our minds, of all that has taken place according to God's plan, according to God's design, by His wisdom, for His glory, I think it just truly will cause our hearts to really shout out in praise to our Lord. And I hope this morning, just in our time together, we we get a sense of that reality as we are here as a church family. Uh, I I was rather shocked these last several weeks in watching some of the news feeds go on, at least in the social media world, that many churches weren't gathering on Sunday because after all it's Christmas and why gather on Sunday? And I thought that was sad. We gather on Sunday because it's the Lord's day and we worship the Lord on the Lord's day and God's the one who runs the calendar. So we worship God according to God's desires. And so I'm thankful that we are here as a church family. We're united by the truth concerning His Son. Jesus Christ. We are united by the joy of salvation that all men might find exclusively through Jesus Christ. That's why we gather together. It is the gift of Christmas. So that is often the focus of this time of year, the gift of Christmas. In fact, many just focus on that, on gift-giving which in and of itself is good and a way of giving thanks. In fact, the Bible tells us it's more to give than it is even to receive. So when we focus on gift giving, it isn't without at least some meaning involved. Even, even the world, when they give gifts, it's, it's not without meaning, even though they don't understand it. But Gift-giving has no real depth of meaning, no essence of true meaning if those gifts that we give, whatever they are, they, they truly mean nothing if they are given without an understanding and a knowledge of the greatest gift ever given, right? I mean, we, we ponder and think about that truth. We, we even talked about it last night in our gathering together here on our Christmas Eve service. We talked about the gift of God to us, Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, the greatest gift ever given to us. And so for many of us, we think of Christmas as the time when God gave to humanity His Son. And that is true. We can never lose that focus. It has to be at the forefront of our minds each and every Christmas. In fact, each time as a church, as those of us who know Jesus Christ as our own 
Lord and Savior, as we are together, even when we partake in the ordinance of the Lord's Supper on our communion days, we are continually reminded not only of Jesus Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, but we are reminded that unless He came, He could never have died. And so we're reminded even of the incarnation. And so it is with that in our minds, that sense, even at those times where we are seeing and hearing of God's gift to us, Jesus Christ coming to this earth, we ought to think of that. But this morning I want us to think a little differently about Christmas than maybe we have. And I want us to ponder the gift I want us to think about the gift, but not so much as the gift of God given to us as we talked about last night, but more so rather the gift that we give to God. The gift that we give to God. This morning, it is a gift that only the Christian can give. And so this morning, I want to I want to really focus our attention on, on those who know Jesus Christ by faith, and, and in that, Exhort those who do not to come to Jesus Christ by faith. This is the gift that we give to God. God has given us such a precious gift, but what is reasonable for us to give back to God? After all, we say this is the birthday of Jesus. God has come to us as the greatest gift, and yet we are to give back to God. We, we get a glimpse of this this morning from Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, listen to what the Apostle Paul says in just the first two verses. This is not new to many of us. We have heard these verses many, many times. We've studied this passage in the past. Paul says, I urge you, therefore, brethren, he's talking to Christians, those who know Jesus Christ, I urge you by the mercies of God to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. Now, this is an extremely important passage for us to look at and to think through at this time of year if not every time we open the Word of God. It is not God's gift to us that Paul is talking about here, but rather it is the believer's gift to God. It is our gift of gracious obedience in response to the reality that God is His greatest gift. Now, I know that we would not normally think of giving in that way. I know when we think about gift giving, we think a gift as something that is given, that something receives it, and the transaction is over. A gift is given to someone, they receive it, the transaction is over. We don't expect anything from the other person when we give a gift. We are giving a gift to them. We are gifting them with whatever it is. But the gift of God, namely the salvation that we have through Jesus Christ, is different. Because that gift came with certain consequential changes for our lives. 
One of those consequential changes is that now in Christ, we are equipped to give back to God. What we could not and would not do before, we are now equipped to do. We give back to God. God gave to us in light of our need for a Savior. And therefore we, because we now believe upon Jesus Christ as our Savior, we give back to God that which we are equipped to give to God, which flows out of a heart of worship to God because of our Savior Jesus Christ, who is God's gift to us. So look at what Paul is saying. I urge you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. By the mercies of God. When you look at the original language, it really is stated this way if you do it in a more direct sense. The Apostle Paul says, Therefore, I am earnestly and continually asking you, brethren, as the reasonable worship of you and on the basis of His motivating mercy for you, give back to Him. Let me say that again. Paul says to us as Christians, I am earnestly and I am continually asking you as the reasonable worship of you and on the basis of the motivating mercies of God that you give back to God. You give back to Him. You gift yourself to God. You see, Paul is saying that God's gift of saving us through His Son is not a static reality. It is not something that is given to us and then, hey, nothing goes on, nothing happens. It doesn't just sit on our personal spiritual self of theological principles whereby we go, okay, I have my fire insurance now. I'm going to be in heaven. This is great. I believe in Jesus Christ and I pull Him off the shelf when I need Him like the elf on the shelf. He isn't a Christmas elf. This is not what God has given us. God has equipped us because of our Savior to give to Him. Jesus Christ, our salvation that is only found in Him, ought to have a profound impact upon our everyday, every moment living. That is simply to say that each and every moment that we are alive on this earth, each and every moment that we are breathing in this physical capacity, the gift of Christ to us and the saving relationship that we have with Him ought to have an impact on every other relationship that we have. Everything that we do, Christ ought to infect. Maybe I could just say it this way. The reception of the receiving of God's gift of life through Jesus Christ and all that goes with that, His undeserved mercy upon our lives ought to be the motivation for us to give back to God the gift of our very lives in undiluted worship to Him. The very salvation that we have in Christ ought to be the motivating factor for our undiluted worship to Jesus Christ. Therefore, Paul says, I am earnestly and continually asking you on the basis of that motivating mercy of God because of Jesus Christ that you give back to God. Give back literally means put yourself at His disposal. Put yourself 
at his disposal. And in case we are to be at God's disposal, we are at his disposal because of our new relationship with Jesus Christ by faith. It is not something we have accomplished ourselves. It is something God has accomplished on our behalf through Jesus Christ, opened our eyes to Christ, opened our eyes to our sin. We have believed upon Jesus Christ, and therefore, because of that mercy upon us, we offer ourselves to God. We are at his disposal. Notice how specific Paul gets. He says, we are to present our bodies. We are to present our bodies. In other words, we are to present our very selves. This is not outside the realm of actual action for us. We are to present who we are. We are to present our dreams. We are to present our aspirations. We are to present our gifting, our time, our possessions, our reputations. Anything that might be near and dear to us, we are to offer it to God for His disposal. For God to do with it whatever He wishes to do with it, because it is our gift to Him. All of that is in the gifting All of that is because of the mercy of God. All of that is because we are in Christ. We are to offer our living selves. Notice Paul says to present your bodies a living and holy, holy sacrifice. It is not just any way that we live that we offer to the Lord. It is not this God saying to us, hey, I saved you, now go ahead and be whoever you want to be for me. No, he says, Paul says, we are to offer ourselves holy to God. We are to offer God something that is holy. Doesn't that seem strange? Doesn't that seem rather seemingly contradictive? We are to offer ourselves holy to God. Those who are inherently unholy, you and I, without Christ, who are inherently unholy, are to offer ourselves back to God something that is holy. How do we do that? How do we do that? Well, I believe we get the answer on how we are to do that when we look at verse 2. Verse 1 tells us the what. Verse 2 tells us the how. Verse 1 says to us, we are to present ourselves. The motivating factor behind that is the very mercy of God upon us. We are to present ourselves holy to God. How do we do that? How do we exercise that? Verse 2 tells us how we exercise that. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We know what holiness means, right? If we've been in this church any time, we know what holiness means. We've studied it. We, we've looked at it in our own lives. We've, we've been taught it. 
We've thought about it. Holiness means separateness. That's the inherent reality of what that word means. It implies a purity of life. Not simply purity in the sense of some kind of sexual reality, but purity in all ways of life. It means being undefiled by that which is impure. Impure by means of saying that anything that is ungodly is impure stuff. Godly things are pure things. So anything that is not of God is impure and unholy. And that is exactly what Paul is telling us to apply in our lives as our gift back to God. He's saying, put yourself totally at the disposal of God. Put yourself totally for use in the hand of God. How? By living totally separate from all things that are ungodly. How do you do that? By not allowing the world to conform and mold you. Do not be conformed to this world. Don't be conformed by that which is ungodly, the ungodly thinking of the world, the ungodly ideologies of the world, the ungodly philosophies of the world. Don't let yourself be shaped and pressed and molded into that kind of living. And notice, Paul says, be transformed. That's the opposite. Be transformed. Be metamorphosized. That's the word. How? Be changed. Be changed from what you were to what you should be. How? By the renewing of your mind. Of your mind. Have your mind renewed, not consumed by the things of the world. Have it renewed by that which is godly, separate things, holy things. So Paul says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that we offer as holy to God a a, a thoughtfulness that drives our life that is unshaped by the things that are godless. Our lives thereby are shaped by Him, by God. Let me say it in the easiest way that I think I can. The only reasonable gift that we give back to God is the gift of a life that is being completely transformed in thought and in work and in deed and in effort and in striving and in all things that are life exercises, both in our minds that nobody sees and the outworking in our life that everybody sees. Total transformation because it is continuously being saturated with the very mind of God, the very word of God, so that our thoughts are God's thoughts, so that our words are His words, so that our actions are His actions. And then, when the world interacts with and sees our lives... When the world comes in contact with us, they see the very character of our Heavenly Father reflected through us. This is the gift we give to God. We could really boil it down to one simple statement. Our gift to God is an obedient, unworldly life. An obedient, unworldly life. Why? Because God has saved us. 
an obedient, unworldly life, an obedient, transformed life by the Word of God, saturating us in such a way and throughout our lives so that we now walk as God commands. So that we, in our minds and our deeds and our actions, are changed into Christ-likeness because the world is pushed away and God's character is forming us. We are not conformed to this world because we are being transformed by the renewing of our mind. You say that's hard to do. Not if you set your mind on the mercies of God for you. Right? This is what Paul says. I urge you, this is, this is my urging to you, this is, this is how you walk in this way, by the mercies of God. It is God's mercies upon you, remembering all that God has accomplished on your behalf in the gift of His Son, Jesus Christ. In other words, the very consequential change through God's gift of Christmas is that those whom He has chosen to save will by the gift of faith embrace Christ as Savior, but not simply so that they remain as they are before they are ever saved and just go on living and attach Christ to their life and claim that they are saved, but their life isn't changed. No, it is so that they will now be so absorbed with His mind, so absorbed with the very character and nature of God in their heart and mind that the transforming power in their lives is a return gift of obedience in their life Back to God, which is reasonable worship to Him. That's our gift to Him. That's the full meaning of Christmas. That's the full circle. God comes to us. God saves us so that we can now live as we have been created to live. So it isn't simply that God gave to us a Savior. That's wonderful. It's miraculous. We, we stand in awe of that. We shake our heads and wonder why would God ever do that with His creation? Couldn't God just crumple it up and create a whole new page? That's not what God did. God gave to us His Son. But the other side of that coin is also the implications of that gift in our lives. The implications of that gift in our lives is the gift of worship back to God. That's why Paul says, this is your spiritual service of worship. This is what we do. This is who we are. This is, this is why God came. We offer ourselves, body, soul, mind, to the disposal of God. We begin to think like He thinks. We begin to act as He act. We begin to walk as our Savior walked. And it is in that, it is in that that we prove, notice at the end of verse 2, so that, this is the purpose of it all, so that you may prove what the will of God is. Prove doesn't mean that you're, you're, Proving it in the sense of like a, a science project. No, this is this is tested application. This is the tested reality of God saving you in your life. This this is the will of God. That which is good, acceptable, perfect. Your life will show that. 
that he wondered in verse 21 that Paul could say, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. It's the outflow of the will of God, that which is good. But you see, beloved, this is the meaning of Christmas. This is the meaning of Christmas. This is why we gather. This is why we're here even this day. This is why we gathered last night, so that we could begin to do what we were created to do. Offer ourselves back to God in unabandoned worship to God. That's what makes Christmas so special. That's why Christ's death, burial, and resurrection needs to be remembered even at this time of year. A lot of times we relegate that to the springtime, right? The Easter time, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Wonderful truth to remember, and yet Jesus Christ came to die. So all times of the year we need to remember His death, burial, and resurrection as much as we need to remember the birth of Christ. Because without Christ we cannot truly worship God as He has created us to worship. Why our sin marred God's design? That's what happened in the garden. God's design was marred by the sin of man, and through Christ it is made right again. Through Christ it's paradise restored. One day we will continually worship Him with that unmarred holy perfection. But we can have a taste of that. We can have a flavor of that now because we have Christ in us. So here's my exhortation to us, just simply this. Enjoy this day. Enjoy this day with the family. Enjoy this day with friends. Particularly for the Christian. Relish in the reality of what God has given to you. Relish in the fact of the mercies of God bestowed to you. But don't let that be so much that you forget to give back to God. Don't let that be so that the pattern of your life isn't that which Paul is talking about here, where you present yourself to God undefiled. But rather remember, remember this, Jay, relish in the fact that Christ came to us, Emmanuel, God with us, and yet let that be so, so, so much so that you say, I simply want to live for you and I'll worship you in my obedience to you. For the unbeliever, for the unbeliever, we offer to you our Savior, Jesus Christ. We present Him to you. Unworthy as we are to even be able to speak the words of this wonderful truth to you, the Lord Jesus Christ can be your Savior. You have to turn from your sin. You have to acknowledge your sin. You have to confess your sin before God. Acknowledge it before Him. Believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead. Turn from your sin and you too will be saved. And these verses will be yours. Because you will know in a personal way the mercies of God even though now without Christ you are the beneficiary of the mercies of God. 
this could be the true gift of Christmas. And you could understand worthy gift giving because you could understand that you need to give yourself back to God. Notice verse 3, just as the final exclamation point on this. Paul says, for through the grace given to me, I say to every man among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think. (laughs) Don't let pride get in the way. Don't let a thought of yourself get in the way of you looking at this with sober-mindedness. Think so as to have sound judgment. God has allotted to each man a measure of faith. Talking to believers. Don't think you don't need it. And we could say to the unbeliever, don't think you don't need it. Because every man will answer to God. So let this be the best Christmas. Let this be the day that you come to know Jesus Christ by faith. Let's pray together. Father, I know our time here has been short, and yet your word is always profound, always full of mercy and grace. Is it any wonder that when Jesus Christ walked the earth, he said, I say this to those who hear. Well, the people had ears. They certainly could hear sounds. They could understand words. But many, if not most, walked away and rejected Jesus Christ. (laughs) Father, we pray that you would move upon the hearts of each one of us. That if we're disobedient in our Christian life, we we would be turned back to obedience to you. And if we be rejectors of Jesus Christ at this very moment, that this day would be the day that you'd open our eyes to our sin, that we would see it for what it is and turn from it, that we might have life in Christ. Lord, we plead on behalf of those who do not know you that this would be their day. Their day to embrace Jesus Christ because you drew them to yourself. That you opened their eyes and their ears to hear the word, to to sense the guilt of their sin before you and to embrace Jesus Christ by faith. We pray that this would be the best Christmas they've ever known. Father, we thank you for the family of God, that we have a true family here. And one day in the glories of heaven, whereby we will see our risen Savior. And it says we'll be like him. We'll see him as he is. We'll be sinless. What a day that'll be. We thank you for the gift of Christmas. Be honored with our lives as we give back to you. Not to earn salvation, but because there is salvation in no other name under heaven except the name Jesus Christ. Thank you for this day. Honor your name in and through us, we pray. In our Savior's name, Christ Jesus, all God's people said, Amen.